Welcome to The Gut Check, nutrition and gut health for active people, a podcast where we are talking functional nutrition for functional fitness and a functional you. Remember, if your gut is not functioning optimally, you are not functioning optimally. I am your host, registered dietitian and nutritionist and OCR fan, Kate Klein. You can connect with me on Facebook at The Dublin Dietitian or go to my website for additional resources, services, and the video recorded versions of these episodes at www.dublindietitian.com. That's D-U-B-L-I-N-D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. As a standard disclaimer, the information provided here is for educational purposes only. While I strive to provide accurate and helpful information to my listeners and viewers, I cannot take into account individualized circumstances. This is not a substitute for personalized nutrition, health, and medical advice from a health professional. If you are ready to get your personalized plan, you can go to DublinDietitian.com and schedule a complimentary strategy session to get a game plan in place for you to hit your health and fitness goals. So let's get to it. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. So my, so my, um, here, funny that you say that, uh, that was the role that, that was literally my academic ed- education. I was working on a PhD in biomedical informatics in clinical and translational research. What is clinical translational research? You might ask. <laughs> this is so funny. Well, this is uh, perfect. Cause I wanted you to yes, share your training and so, your background. So it, it takes, so, I mean, we can go in the Wayback Machine and we will at some point, but my focus in what I was working on my PhD was getting all of this information that we have that is clinically proven research, shit that has been documented over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and actually getting it into bedside clinical practice. Now you would think that, what a crazy thought. One would think that something is proven, papers are published about it, doctors start to do it. (laughs) That it takes, the average is 17 years. Seriously. To get from something that is clinically proven and documented and getting it into like routine clinical practice that gap in evidence-based practice is on average 17 years. That's insane. Well, but that's a good point because I remember when I was first getting into this food sensitivity and gut healing and kind of talking about like your progress and some of the other people I was working with, uh, with my dad, he's like, you are doing such amazing stuff. Why don't you go back to school and become a doctor? And I was like, first of all, why? I'm already succeeding at what I want to do and right. second of all it would actually have that. their place for sure and they you know and, and conventional medicine has its place absolutely but their hands are so tied oh. by pharmaceuticals and health insurance that they would never be able to do what I'm doing exactly and that's and that's the thing so much of what I mean so much of what traditional healthcare practices is driven by the insurance industry and the pharmaceutical industry solely by the insurance industry and what they will and will not cover. And it's ridiculous to me that we have treatments and we have things that are so proven and so ignored 
because insurance doesn't pay for them or it's not a billable thing or I mean and forget practice like maximization that's a whole other like I could stand on that soapbox for hours but like clinicians don't know what they don't they don't have the ability to do the kind of stuff that you're doing they don't have the ability to prescribe food as medicine they don't have the ability to do a food sensitivity test and have it reimbursed for by insurance because insurance doesn't think it's a real thing um you know and there are so very 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 many things that fall oh, and in they're, they're so busy they don't have time to you know they're oh, yeah. well, and, their patients because of the right. way it is and so they don't have time to sit down and talk about stress and its effect on cortisol and the gi and da 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 right. so, yeah and, it's just a messed up system unfortunately and every, nobody looks at the bigger picture. Nobody looks at a pa very, very few practitioners look at a patient as a whole entity. They look at a disease. They look at a condition. They look at <clears throat> lab a symptom results. <laughs> right, exactly. A symptom list, a problem list. They look, they look at whatever. They don't look at the entirety of the human being that is sitting in front of them that requires more than just a prescription for a PPI. Yeah. So before we go too far down this hole, why don't you, Andy, my friend, introduce yourself, your training and background, and your sure. story of conventional medicine versus functional lifestyle medicine. Sure. So um, Let's see, I started out, I have my undergrad in sports medicine. Um, I have a dual master's in biomechanics and exercise physiology. And as I said, I was working on a PhD in biomedical informatics, which is that cross section of how do we use computers to make healthcare better. Um, healthcare Very being cool. Cool. The, the, the bigger, bigger problem to fix. Um, and uh, all throughout high school, very active, super athlete, et cetera, et cetera, um, even through college. Um, and about, oh, I don't know, seven years ago, um, I blew out my knee and uh, needed to have knee surgery, wound up having hip surgery, um, wound, up, wound up having 20 surgeries over seven years, wound up gaining nearly 100 pounds, um, tons of steroids. Of course, every time you have a massive surgery, they give you tons of antibiotics. IV antibiotics were constantly being pumped into me about once a quarter, um, never mind the orals that would follow uh, and any other ear infection or whatever along the way, which by the way, if you're an adult, don't take antibiotics for your ear infections, take decongestants. Um, but Are you getting well, medical advice? <laughs> no, I'm not getting medical advice. I'm I, I am dispensing with the well-published documented medical literature that people can read for themselves if they choose to do so. Um, it's another one of those evidence-based practice things that, you know, takes 17 years to get from the bedside to, to proven. Um, and it's, uh, so along the way, it was basically, you're screwed. You know, I've had three hip replacements, one of which failed. I had a pick line. Um, I had GERD. I had, you know, all of the, my gut was messed up. It was just, it was everything. I was not in a, I mean, every, everything was awful. Let's be honest. 
Um, and I, oh, I hear the Lego song. Yeah. Everything yeah. was awful. That's exactly the song that ran through my head. Everything was awful. And I was not, I did not have a really good team. Uh, and that was the thing. I, I went to physician after physician after physician. And it basically got to the point where they were like, uh, we, we have nothing that we can do for you. Like you're, these are, these are your conditions. You're going to just have to manage them. I was incredibly polypharmacy, and I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. I am 40 years old, and there, there, I am not, I, I refuse to accept this. There has got to be uh, an underlying answer. There's got to be an underlying way to address these issues, and I knew that a lot of it had to deal with, I need to just can traditional conventional medicine. Um, and in doing so, it has like changed my life. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have my core practitioners that, uh, that do get it. I have, you know, my primary care was like, you did the MRT food testing. Oh my God, that's amazing. Who's your RD? You know, so there are, there are some of the younger practitioners um, who, who get it and are enthusiastic and want to be able to help people, but their hands are tied from that, from that insurance perspective. Um, so to be able to start working with, with you and really have, I mean, God, the inflammation's gone down, the joint pain's gone down, I lo I've lost 50 pounds, um, I've cut out so many meds, it's just been a complete 180 for me in like a matter of six months. And even in trying to chat with my physicians about like, well, this is, you know, my progress and this is what I've done. They're like, well, we don't lie. I'm like, you know what? I'm done with you. Like, I'm, like I am the, the living example I, of this, the good that is going on and that it wasn't right. A quackery or placebo. Well, I mean, I guess it could be placebo. I don't know. I mean, you've you, got a very powerful mindset over there. But yeah, I, mean, I, I can. I can totally will myself to lose like fifty pounds in six months. Like, I, I can just do that in my brain. Um, but, but I mean, mindset's a big part of it. But to be, but, yes. But the fact of the matter was, I had gotten to the point, and Kate Yellow testified to this. I was so desperate. I was like, there is an answer. There is more going on here. There is something that can be done. Let's figure it the flip out. And here we are. Here we are. And here we are. What else? What else? Now, do you want me to let's see. So you, I mean, you had a lot of background in kind of yeah. science and healthcare, mm -hmm. but while yeah. you were going through the process, did you find you were digging in more, trying to research more, look into other answers or Absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, you, you, you know me, I'm a giant, like, you're a so, data junkie. I'm a data junkie. I mean, it's literally like building massively. I mean, when we're talking like terabyte drive size, relational data sets of, of huge data, especially in like this space it is totally my thing, but that's exactly what I did was I started looking into more of the science behind and 
you know, one would thing would lead to another. And oh, oh my, I, I swear to God, I get every like new article about gut microbiome stuff. Like Google, Google Scholar has learned my preferences and is like, hey, did you know that there was a new gut microbiome article? And there's like a million of them coming out now. Right. And, oh, by the way, so in 17 years, this will be practice. Oh, oh, and by the way, the gut and the second brain being, you know, have you, have you read into any of that? And have you read? So, I mean, I have really started to to dig into a lot of the sort of biochem side of things that I didn't really dig into as much when I was younger because I was like, all right, okay, fine, biochem, yuck. I, I mean, I know it, I can do it, but it doesn't, but now to, you know, understand how, guess what, serotonin primarily produced in your gut not your brain. Biggest thing that affects your brain, not produced in your brain. Made in your stomach, stored in your GI lining. Yeah, exactly. Made in your stomach, stored in your GI lining. Well, that's a bit of a problem if you're doing things that are A, screwing up your stomach, or B, screwing up your GI lining. So now you're depressed. Now you don't sleep as well. Now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and, and also kind of looking at where those different starting points are at and what, what needs to be balanced. Like at one point things got really flipped upside down for me and it was like, okay, I need to focus on sleep. I mean, we need to just reset right now and I need to work on sleep. And for two weeks that like a good sleep hygiene routine was what I focused on. And it made a huge difference, but really the interplay of how all of the pieces fit together is something that A, most physicians don't necessarily appreciate, and B, it's not something that we as humans implicitly know or do. I would say it's we don't do. because I, I call a lot of the things that I work with, I call it like white noise in our society. You know, everybody knows we should get more sleep. Everybody knows we should manage our stress. Everybody knows we should eat healthy. And they just kind of blow it by the wayside and say, yeah, but it's, is it really that important? And then when I start getting into like, here's the biophysiology, you know, one bad night of sleep, according to UCLA research, can double your inflammation in one night. Yep. Like, yep. like let's look at what's going on. And um, so I guess, yeah, for me, I often think back to one of one of the, some of the first people I, I coached when I was working at Lifetime. They came in as brothers, and I spoke to them at different times. But they both owned their own uh, grocery store chain, and they were both really really busy talking about this. They came in for like heartburn issues, okay. and you know I imagine if. Now, again, I will, I will disclaim, not every conventional medicine practitioner is this way, but unfortunately, the vast majority are. So I imagine had they gone to a doctor, doctor would have given them PPIs, given them heartburn. Yeah, exactly. You have heartburn. You, you, exactly. You um, even there at the gym, be, they would have been like, oh, sell them on the gut fix. It's a diet and three supplements. And but from the, the functional nutrition point, it's always about that root cause. What is the root cause? I'm like, all right, they're really stressed people. They're doing this. And, and I just talked to them and dug down and found out literally both of them 
Well, okay, let's talk. Are you wearing really tight clothes? Because that's a common thing. Do you lay down? Is this only after dinner? Because you go to sleep afterwards. No, it's lunchtime usually. Okay, okay. So how much, what do you eat for lunch? Or like, what's, what's your lunch break routine? Oh, I inhale my food in about 15 minutes or five minutes. Literally, talk to both of them. Slow down, chew, chew your, food, your food, breathe. They both came back a week later, heartburn gone. Right. It's like, <laughs> that's that, the stuff that people just, they were nearly diagnosed with heartburn and GERD when literally it was you're really stressed and you're not taking time to eat. And that's something that we call white noise. Like people just don't yeah. think that that literally makes a difference. And both of them uh, cured. <laughs> so right. yeah, the root cause, listen to the white noise. It's there for a reason. It does matter. And people poo-poo it. Right. And, we, and, and when I say no, we, we know, but we don't, we don't, no, we don't feel it. We don't internalize that, that knowing of what to do. And it just gets busier. It just gets lost, you know? And case in point, listen to your body. I mean, I used to, I, I, and that's funny. I used to tell my athletes all the time, listen to your body. If it hurts, don't do it. You know, like, you will know what you can do based upon how you feel. If you're recovering from an ankle sprain, I don't know. Can you go without your boot? You tell me. How does it feel? It feels, <laughs> it feels okay to go without your boot? Go without your boot. It doesn't feel okay to go without your boot? Then maybe you should continue wearing your boot. This isn't <laughs> like rocket science here. You know, and it, it's, like you've said... Stop, breathe, chew your food. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> and we've developed a society where we don't do those things. And we take all of these problems to a physician who prescribes us a pill for insomnia or prescribes us a pill for GERD or prescribes us whatever for something else. And oh, by the way, all of these medications have other effects. And oh, by the way, most of them haven't been tested together. That's, yeah, that's one of the, <laughs> the number one things that functional dietitians, like when we get that pushback, that, you know, the vitamins aren't FDA approved, where the da da da, like, okay, well, what medicines are your patient on? Show me the research that says those are all okay to take together. It's not there. You just, you're going based on your best clinical knowledge, your best experience. And that's crazy. Right, <laughs> right. exactly. It's, it, and, and when you, even sometimes when you look at the studies, you're like, this medication was tested in this population for this thing. Not what it's actually being used for or not in the way it's being used yeah you know and, and yeah the polypharmacy as you said the, the multiple medications that just there's very little research because it's it's an ever-changing set of medications out there mm -hmm. and it's ever-changing infinite combinations of what might be going on and then you of course have to balance that all in with the individual and their biochemistry right 
And whether or not, for example, they can actually take the medications that they've been prescribed and metabolize them into effective whatever form they're supposed to be in. I mean, like there's so much that we don't, there's so much individuality that conventional medicine doesn't look at, doesn't think about, doesn't bring into its practice because it's a churn because at this point it's a it's it's a machine you know we feed people into it they have their 15 minute slot or their 20 minute slot and then it's on to the next it's on to the next and you're you're seeing for the problem that you came in for specifically without all of the other things that relate to what could be underlying that what what the functional root causes so what has what have you had an experience where essentially because you didn't have that hub other than yourself of understanding what all your different specialists were doing where that uh kind of tripped itself up where you got prescribed something that actually counteracted with something else or a lifestyle change in one kind of affected oh the other because it wasn't integrated oh my god all the time all the time. And I, like, the number of times that I was having to, like, interplay between this one and this one, and, you know, for my GI doc, for example, who I've just, he and I are no longer together, um, <laughs> which was sort of what triggered the desire to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Um, it, the, the things that he wanted to prescribe, so, Initially, he prescribed me PPI. I've been diagnosed with GERD since I was like 19, and I have a hiatal hernia that they want to surgically repair, which is a terrible idea for someone with a connective tissue disorder because of any of, I mean, the surgery is terrible, so like, just, just no. Um, so he prescribed me a P, uh, PPI, but he also prescribed um, two other medications that work synergistically with that PPI to do other things. Well, we stopped taking the PPI because I was not needing it anymore. And he was like, well, okay, well, we'll just take off those other two meds. Well, one of them is a low-dose anti antidepressant and the other one is a CNS muscle relaxer. Well, the problem is you're now going to take away two things that have more effects than just what's going on in my GI, right? So in addition to the to the fact that these meds work synergistically with like my antidepressant or in some cases there were things where it was like um I'm already on a muscle relaxer and you want to give me another secondary muscle relaxer or I'm already on like these two serotonin producing antidepressants and now you want to put add more ser like you can't just do that in a vacuum. So I had to run around and like talk with my other practitioners and say, is this okay? Is this not okay? He wants to prescribe this. You, I think you went and talked to a pharmacist as well, right? Yeah, I went. So I, I talked to a pharmacist. Um, and, yeah, actually. So I talked with um, a clinical uh, pharma, pharmacologist, which is a, a pharmacologist who also has an MD which let's think about how much school that is. 
Hello, visitor. Um, <laughs> you cannot let me sit here without getting on my no, lap at no, some point. No, <laughs> um, but he will say hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> the the clinical pharmacology, you know, because I'd had some genetic testing done around my psych meds because I was like, this shit hasn't worked for years. I have been on everything. Well, lo and behold, I've got some genetics that make these drugs ineffective for me. And in addition to that, I have, there's other medications that there was one that I was taking that would actually decrease the effectiveness of the others given the combination of the meds. And the fact that I had to sit down with a clinical pharmacologist to have this conversation and the fact that even, you know, my GI doc was like, well, I, I, I'm just going to take you off of these things. And I was like, you, you balance. Like you've built this complex web of things that hopefully with the weight loss and the diet, like you can start to unweave, but it's, it's a tangle and it's all built on each other. It's a tangle. It's all built on each other. It's still interconnected. You can't just say, we're going to (laughs) export this out and, and go about your day. So here's my question, because you are well-researched, you have this background, you are a fairly strong, empowered woman to kind of take control of this and understanding what's going on and to address it. What advice do you have for people who aren't as sure and they're, they're maybe timid or they don't understand all the implications or they're afraid to ask these kind of questions or don't have the time to ask questions like this to their different healthcare practitioners. Oh, <laughs> oh man, what advice do I have? I have so much advice. God, Kate, you, you've just opened the book that you want me to write. Um, I've got coffee here. So, but in short, like in short, I mean, I had to go right now. I mean, Thank, thank God I, I don't have like extensive health issues, but if I had to go make a conversation, what would you tell me? <laughs> you don't have time to tell me don't, a book. <laughs> don't leave the room until you have all of the answers and all of your, that you need at the time. And then don't do anything until you're comfortable with whatever course of action has been given to you. So, for example, for me, when they were like, oh, you need uh, hiatal hernia surgery, surgery, I read about those two procedures. For the one surgical one, you can literally never throw up again. Let's talk about how often I barf. All the time. Hopefully less I'm, now. <laughs> way less now, but I used to barf all the time. And the idea of a surgery that makes it structural, if put it this way, they're like, well, generally speaking, if people throw up, they wind up tearing and we need to repair it. So it's one of those things that if you're a puker, you probably, it. so the other alternative is a ring of magnets that we just put at the top of your esophagus. Okay, well, I have a connective tissue disorder. Do we really want to put a ring of magnets when the primary, like, problem with that surgery is that the magnets sometimes tear through the esophagus if you if your esophagus is too thin oh good so those are two so you you're telling me that that is my solution to this problem fuck no don't do it until you understand it 
and until your questions are answered. And if you don't have the ability to necessarily get the answers yourself, reach out, find a friend, ask a question. I mean, I have answered, I've had friends post on Facebook, oh, I've just prescribed a new, anybody know anything about X medication? Anybody know anything about this surgical procedure? Ask, because I can promise you there is probably someone in your network that can get you pointed at least in a direction of getting more answers. And personal accounts and personal experiences are far more important than I think the medical community realizes. You know, I mean, for some people, a medication can be the greatest thing in the world. For other people, it can be horrible. So ask that question and find out, you know, is it something that people tolerate well? Great. Oh, yeah. I, Zoloft, fine, no problems, yada, yada, cool. Trintelix, whatever. I mean, they're just, just ask the question and don't do anything until you feel like you have your answers because it's your body. It's your life. It's not your physician's body. It's not your physician's life. And that's the most important thing. Don't do it until you're comfortable with what information you've been given. Because, and this, this was a quote from my, my grandfather. What do you call the guy who graduated last from medical school? Doctor. <laughs> and kind of in that vein too, like the, the comfortability, one of the things that I think is also important to remember is it, it's okay to question a doctor. Like, yes. yes, they have extensive training. Yes. They know a lot. But yes, you, it is your body. You have that right to understand it. You have a right to have your questions answered. And if your doctor is unwilling to take the time to do that, Correct. you may, you may want to reconsider. <laughs> that, that was going to be my next thing. And if, you're, if your physician is not willing to entertain these questions and is trying to you are going to do as I say that you are going to do. You may want to reevaluate that relationship with your physician because your relationship with your healthcare providers should be a relationship. It should be a two-way street, um, and it should not be. You know, another another Baird Peabodyism was nurse. We're going to kill this patient right now. Yes, doctor. <laughs> and 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 uh, uh, how my grandmother, God love her and rest her soul, um, was not exactly the most uh, free thinking nurse that there ever was. Um, <laughs> But, you know, she, cause she was very much, she was very much the, I'm going to do as I was told to do. So 
you know, nurse, we're going to kill this patient now. Yes, doctor. Kind gotcha. of, you know, um, because there is this almost like this blind trust in authority and, and to an extent, absolutely. That is good. You know, I, Dr. Right. Google is not <laughs> the best source all the time. Right. But that doesn't mean you should be intimidated to get answers. Right. Exactly. But I and think people are afraid to ask questions. They're people afraid are afraid to, to ask questions. They're afraid they're going to be looked down on. They're afraid they're going to feel stupid. But that's how you learn. And that's how you get comfortable with the, the terminology that they throw around, with the procedures they want to do. Yes. And I personally, my personal thought is you should be able, I also like to have a doctor willing to admit when they're at the end of their knowledge. Yes. Yes. Because they can't know everything. They can't, right. but there are certain ones who, for whatever reason, don't want to admit that. <laughs> and I will, I will give my GI doc credit in that he, at one point did say to me, he goes, I don't doubt that there is something totally not right. And I agree with that. There is something totally not right. I don't know what it is, and I don't know that right now the medical establishment would be able to help you in the way that you need to be helped. And to hear, I mean, that was a huge admission, right? I mean, from a physician to be able to say, I know there's something not right here. I know that it's abnormal for you to have scar tissue on the outside of your small intestines. I know that it, like some of these, he goes, but do we have a name for it? Do we know how to treat it? Is there something that we can do? Like admitting his own limitations was huge, but at the same point in time, it's, I had to push him to get him to the point of admitting that. And that's me who's coming in with, Here's my file. Here's my clinical. Here, here's this recently published article. Here's my GI map. Here's my, here's my, here's my, you know, like, are you prepared for me? Because I'm prepared for you. Um, and that's another thing that I would say. If you're going in to have a conversation with your physician, prepare your questions. Even if you write them down for yourself, the act of doing that gives you more preparation for when you're going into that visit. Because a lot of times we go in and we're like, uh, I don't know, everything's fine. I've got, you know, oh, you, you know, how's it going? How are your meds? How are you? Okay, great, thanks. And you're like, but wait, I had. So have your list. Be prepared to, to, to take that in with you while you go. I like it. Yeah, it's hard to find the courage and strength to take ownership of our own lives sometimes, especially mm -hmm. in those situations, because you do feel so out of control. Like you, you and your body aren't getting along and it's, it's, it's scary. It's, it's scary. scary. It's hard. And, you know, it's a, it's, Telehealth, of course, has added an interesting dynamic to things, and COVID has added an interesting dynamic to things. But if we get to the point where we're once again allowed to bring people with us into our uh, physician visits, 
if you have someone that you can bring with you, even if they don't know what you're what the issues are, even if they can't necessarily help you navigate, sometimes just having someone else with you in the room is, is an, can help bolster that confidence and help you feel more secure because now it's two against one. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. You and all it takes is that person then like, like, did you, did you have any questions about that? Does that make sense to you? And then yeah. that gives you that permission to say, actually, I'm a little confused about something. So you're right. That's, that's something I had to do before for my ex a lot is, is go yep. with him to help yep. him. Yeah. yeah. Like, sometimes you need that moral support when you're going in. Um, so I, I, if we get to the point where we can do that again, I think that that's a really good strategy for folks to, to be able to do when they're, when they're challenging their physicians um, or they have questions and they are, they're trying to get to a deeper answer is, is having, having that support system with you can really make a difference as well. Yeah. So go with knowledge, write your questions, be brave in yourself. <laughs> yeah. Demand that you are treated well and respected. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, you know, the 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 healthcare system, you know, and I say this because I'm, you know, someone who's currently trying to improve the healthcare system insanely enough. Um, <clears throat> but it's not as it exists today we have lost the art of practicing medicine um and the science is getting buried mm -hmm. and what we're getting is an automated system that works for 80 percent of the people with 80 percent of the problems that are 80% of the routine. And if you don't fall neatly within the center of that bell-shaped curve, sorry about your luck. And those 20% are the ones I like to work with. And those, exactly. <laughs> and those are the 20% that Kate likes, that Kate should be working with. Those are the 20% that I am trying to fix the healthcare system for because those are the people that are frustrated, are at the end of their rope, ha are searching for answers. And, you know, in most cases, and I, and I do say most, because if you can look at that additional 20%, 90% of those people have something that can be, have a needle that can be moved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It just needs to be moved outside of the confines of conventional medicine and more into the functional medicine world. Yeah. So I think my, my last little question or thought um, to have your, your thoughts on. So for me, I, one of my, my pieces of history getting to where I am was um, chronic back pain, kind of low level, almost all of my life that got to the point it was debilitating and doing all these therapies, mm -hmm. physical therapy, acupuncture, massage, yada, yada, yada. All and of it, yep. Yeah, and MRI basically leading all of the results to say you need surgery. And... Okay, part of that was I don't have health insurance. <laughs> right. Where I was at that time, there was no health insurance living overseas. Like, I'm not getting surgery here. So part of the, the not doing that was kind of logistical reasons. But the right. deeper part was my own sense of no, 
There is something yeah, less something drastic. Else. There is a reason there's a problem. And it's not that because they wanted to go in and shave down part of my spine. And I'm like, my problem is not that I've got a funky spine, like vertebrae that's mutated and growing. Like there is something else. There's something else. This deep seated knowledge. That bone? Wolf's law. Okay. Huh? Wolf's law. Bone responds to stresses placed on it. What was causing that bone to grow in a funny way? But it wasn't. That was the thing. It was just that I was curved. So for me, it ended up just being muscle imbalance. Literally, wow. I, saved, I saved my back after, you know, four years of, of debilitation with like a tennis ball. And I mean, oh, that, okay, that, was yeah. start. that was the start. Then it got into like corrective exercise and anti-inflammatories right. and everything. Um, but essentially, yes, what the <laughs> kind of the slightly exaggerated way I like to say it is the doctors wanted surgery, I fixed it with a tennis ball. Right. But so, so, but again, that kind of came from that core of knowing just this intuition that no, there is a different way to do this. And I believe you've sort of experienced that as well. Yep. So what would you say to people to try to, how, how to tap into that and how to listen to that and act on that? Listen to your gut. I mean, and it, it sounds so cliche, but take this very fitting very fitting <laughs> trust your gut not the recipe perfect i mean take this and this is what i tell every i mean everyone take this out of it take your take your brain take your logic take your cognition take the thinking part the out fear, of it the self talk yeah, the rumination all that and listen to yourself, listen to your heart, listen to your power center, listen, listen to what, listen, listen to what your body is telling you, listen to what that, that part of your brain that's super quiet, that we don't get to hear most of the time because we've got all this other shit going on, what does that little part say? And that is quite, that is usually the voice that needs to be heard and listened to because that I mean that's that's why I didn't do the upper GI surgery that's why I'm I mean there's there's so many things that just were don't if the, if it doesn't ring true for you if you don't feel that that is the right solution don't and seek another answer. Get a second opinion. Um, and don't necessarily get a second opinion from the same type of physician or specialist. See someone else in that area. So if you have, you know, how I found you, Kate. I mean, think about it. They, <laughs> they were talking about what they wanted to do. Here, we're going to do And I was like, no, we're not. Nope, nope, nope. We are not doing this. I'm finding another way. Listen to that voice inside that says, yes, this is the right thing, or no, this is not the right thing. Um, and until that voice is comfortable, keep Searching for answers. It's the only thing I can say. Yeah. That's what I tell people. Yeah. Keep looking. There are answers out there. Ask questions. Yeah. And Reach ask questions, different types, like I said, different types of providers, different, 
different people within the fields. There's so much that traditional conventional medicine doesn't necessarily take into account. So when you're listening and trying to find <laughs> your little Annie, back. Yeah, she's, trying to, she's trying to crawl through the cat door again. Um, but if you know, search for those answers, wait, wait till that voice is quiet and comfortable before you can, before you take an action. Love it. There's nothing wrong with, with pausing and waiting before you, before you act. And when it comes to your health, pausing, waiting, and asking the right, the next right question is just the most important thing that you can, that you can do for yourself. And if you're not comfortable with the solution that's been presented to you, ask the question of somebody else. Love it. A good, a good conclusion. <laughs>